Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to take a break from our series on the Gospel of John to do a message entitled, Our One Foundation. Today, we're going to be looking at the things that unite us as Christians of different flavors, the, the things that maybe set certain groups apart from others in their belief systems and why we ought to hold on to our doctrine and particularly our opinions uh, a little bit looser. We're going to learn that the foundation of our faith is not any person or belief system, but the person of Jesus Christ. So good stuff here. We're going to go ahead and head over to the talk. Thanks for listening. Check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. You know, we're, we're, we find ourselves in the middle of, a, of an election year, and I, I don't know, man. Sometimes I, I have a Facebook account that I use quite a bit, but sometimes it's the stuff that people put on Facebook. Uh, it's just it, – it, it, gets, it gets old after a while because everybody's opinionated, and, and some, some, some people are, are more vocal with their opinion on Facebook than anything. And so, so you get – you know, Obama's the Antichrist, and then you get no Mitt Romney's the Antichrist. Uh, <laughs> uh, big government, small government, no government. Uh, uh, then all varieties of, of, of views on Christianity and stuff. And and it's hard when we're in the midst of people with such strong opinions to find how is there any unity between me and this other Christian who has all these ideas that I personally think are crazy you ever ask yourself like like we like we talk about unity like it's a good thing and I think we agree that yeah yay unity let's get everybody together but then you get around some Christians and start thinking how do we make this work I I don't agree with you politically or I don't agree with you on the 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 where you land doctrinally on stuff, how can there be any unity between us? And, and what I, I wanted to do today is, is we're going to get down to the foundation of our faith in here. And, and I think we're going to find maybe a healthier way to look at the way that we're connected to Jesus, but also to c- connected to other people. And maybe a, a better way to hold our beliefs. Because, uh, you know, my... my uh, my old coach in seventh grade said, every, every, opinions are like armpits. He, he might have said something else, but I'll say armpits. <laughs> and you probably know the rest. Uh, we all have them, and without deodorant, uh, we're in trouble. Uh, but it's, it's okay to have opinions. And, and, but I, I just want us to, to hopefully learn today to differentiate between those things that are peripheral, the things that divide us, and the things that are at the center which unite us. So today I want to start out by, by looking at Matthew 16. Uh, we'll have this up on the screen. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's been doing ministry for a while. And he asks the disciples, he says, Okay, what are you hearing out there? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples are like, Well, some say you're, you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Uh, so there's all these opinions. And then Jesus says, Well, who do you guys Say that I am. And this is where we pick it up. Uh, Verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by your flesh and blood. In other words, Simon, you didn't pick this up because you were so smart. (laughs) 
You didn't pick this up because you're so brilliant. This was given to you by the Spirit of God. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And I put the Greek there. Petros. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Or the gates of death or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, if, if how many of y'all grew up Catholic? We got any Catholics in here? Wow, it's like half the place. Uh, if, if you, I, I did not grow up in the Catholic church, but, and I, I it actually, <laughs> it's funny. The first Catholic service I ever went into was one where I was helping lead worship. Actually, with that guy, Scotty Meads, last week. Uh, this was years ago. I didn't know anything about Catholicism at all. And there's, there's quite a few rituals that you do on a, a Sunday service. But we were in Morgan City, and there was this guy, Father Etienne, uh, as Cajun as you could get. I didn't even, I just, I was fresh from Texas. I didn't realize people actually talk like that. I thought it was just made up. And it was like, they didn't have an app for that back then. I was having, what did you just say? And, and we were in there doing something with, the, with this Catholic school. They got us to come in and, and, and teach the kids about abstinence and stuff, which was funny. Uh, but... He, but Father, Father Etienne, he says, could you guys stay over for Mass and play worship for Mass? And I'm like, sure. I, you know, so we were getting ready to play Mass. And I didn't realize, you know, I'd been in kind of non-denominational charismatic churches where you just, you know, get a few songs and you go with it for 45 minutes. And, uh, but, but he said, no, no, we just do the song one time through and then we go on to the next part and it was really important that you play the right song in the right place and he gave me this song that was there was a song in the set list he chose that was six or seven hundred years old I didn't have a grid for it it was some Gregorian kind of strange thing and and I was so paranoid about this song that when we get into the service I put it in the wrong place and so I messed up the whole order, and I was just, it, it was a mess. So I'm like a bull in a china cap. I was like, oh, sorry, you know, and I'm, I'm nervous, and I'm screwing things up. And then it came time for communion. Well, this, this, you know, a lot of times if you're not a Catholic, they won't let you take communion. But he's, he was pretty cool. He's like, he comes up with the chalice for communion and holds it out to me. And I didn't know you're not supposed to grab the chalice when it's <laughs> handed to you. And I, I reach out and... <laughs> <laughs> and I grab it, and he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no grid at all. I'd never been in Catholic church. So I'm like, oh, man, I, I messed with the chalice. And then I finally take a sip. And I didn't realize, I'd been in Protestant churches where you use grape juice. And it was wine. And, <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa. <laughs> So that, that was my experience with, but, but, but the guy was, it, he was a very gracious priest and he was like, you know, he, he was, he, he was a good guy. We had a, had a fun time. But in the Catholic church, there's a lot of talk of Peter being the foundation of the church. The Catholic church will say that Peter was the, the first bi- uh, pope, right? And, and I don't really think Peter was a pope in the sense of what you think of popes. He was just an apostle, ordinary guy. Uh, actually, what became what we would call the Catholic Church, it, it, it really wasn't like we see it now for, for several hundred years. But, so, so the Catholic Church interprets this, this passage as Jesus telling Peter, you're the rock on which the church is going to build. And so the Catholic Church says, you're, we're the church that's built on the rock, you know, Peter. 
But I don't think that that's what Jesus was really getting at at all. And that's why I put the, uh, the Greek words in here. For those of you, if, if you're, you're new to the Bible or the faith, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so sometimes the things that get translated into English, we've got to kind of look at them. Because there's two words for rock in Greek that we see here, but they're different words. The first word is Petros. Jesus tells Peter, he says, you're Petros. Actually, Peter got his name from this encounter. Peter, which would mean Petros. Uh, he says, you're Petros, you're rock. But you know, when Jesus tells him that, it's, it's little rock. Not like Arkansas. Little rock, little pebble. Jesus is telling Peter, you got a revelation from God and you're, you're a little pebble now. You're, you're beginning to take on the nature of the kingdom of God, but you're little. You're, you're, you're rock with a little R. And Jesus says, but upon this Petra, this Big rock. What is the big rock? Well, I think Jesus is saying that revelation that you just got from the Spirit of God, that I'm the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that's what I'm building my church on. Because there's no point in Scriptures where we see that, that, that the, I mean, even the apostles make this claim that, that the church is not built on human beings. It's built on Jesus Christ. He is the firm foundation he's the one that holds this whole thing together without jesus we don't have anything at the center of our religion if you want to call it that is the person of jesus it's important to remember that at the center it's not a theology or a set of beliefs but it's a person that's one of the things that distinguishes christianity from buddhism hinduism uh, Islam, at the center of our religion is, is Jesus Christ, a person. Christianity is relational at its core. And if you miss that, you're going to miss a lot of things. See, Jesus is the lens by which we view everything in Christianity. I tell people that all the time from up here at the front. If you're reading the Bible and you're not looking through the completed work of Christ, you're going to end up with, with the Bible saying all kinds of crazy things. You ever see people come up with just craziest out of the Bible? I mean, there's, there's people that, that think it's okay to, to publicly say that Obama needs to die of brain cancer, and they, they want to use scriptures to do that. You know what the problem is there, though? They're looking at the Bible apart from the lens of Jesus Christ. Because if you start with Jesus Christ... <laughs> you can't arrive at that conclusion. Because when you look at the Old Testament, you see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Israel story. The whole thing of the Old Testament, it was going somewhere. It was pointing somewhere, and it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The, prof the, the, the prophets of old, their prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. He's the one that holds it all together. Ephesians 4, 4 through 5 says this, There is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation. That's the only thing that, that, that's going to hold a building together. Paul's saying, look, there, there's a lot of people who've built on what the foundation I've laid, but that foundation 
is Jesus Christ. He's the one that, that, that holds it all together. You know, as a new Christian, several years ago, I was at, at uh, SLU as a freshman. And I was, I was a brand new Christian. And I went into college. I was ready to get in the face of all my secular professors and tell them, you know, tell them about Jesus. Tell them how wrong they were. And, and, and we probably have a few college professors in here, and you've probably had people like me come in your class. Uh, I apologize. But as a new Christian, kind of the way that I held my beliefs was like having one container in which all my beliefs fit. But the only problem with the container mindset is that you give all of your beliefs the same value. They all have the same weight. So Jesus had the same weight as my view on the rapture, which had the same view, the, the, the same weight to it as my view on Genesis chapter 1. Which had the same, so I had all these things that were attached to Christianity. And the thing was that if any one of these was threatened, it was kind of like a house of cards. You ever, you ever make a house of cards before? You take one card out and the whole thing comes collapsing down. For instance, Genesis. I remember getting in, in one of my biology classes as a freshman, ready to, to, to fight with my biology teacher. And I started hearing some things about science that, you know, I came in, I was like thinking, you know, Genesis, literal seven days, it, it's, it, it's, it's done. And, and all of a sudden, I started getting challenged on my belief in that. And they made a pretty compelling case that maybe the world's a bit older than 10,000 years. But that was my grid that I was in. And all of a sudden, I'm in this place of, if the world isn't 10,000 years old, then my whole faith falls apart. But what does that show you? It shows you that I was basing my beliefs not on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but on periphery things. You know? We're, we're, we're going to get back to that in a minute. Jesus. I, I, I think I got my... Uh, I don't know which... Oh, I, I got a different version of my uh, notes here. Hang on. <laughs> 1 Corinthians. I, I, I've got several revisions before uh, I end up with the final one. And this was last night's notes. First uh, Corinthians, I believe it's verse one. Uh, I mean, chapter one, verse. Oh, y'all have got it in your outline. I need one of those. Uh, OK. In verse 11. Yeah, thank you. I've got last week's outline, too. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, Verse 11, it says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, which is Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one could say that you were baptized into my name. What's going on here? Paul had planted a church in Corinth, laid it on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but then he starts hearing they're all getting into their little clubs. We follow Peter. He's the rock. He's the one that Jesus is going to build his church on. And then some people are like, well, forget Peter, man. Did you hear about this guy, Paul, man? He got this. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It was amazing. And then some of them are like, well, have you heard Apollos preach? Man, Paul can't preach, man. He's put people to sleep. There's evidence for that. <laughs> he may be a good writer, but he shouldn't talk so long. 
We follow Apollos. And Paul says, this breaks my heart. Is Christ's body divided? You're breaking into these little camps and getting arrogant and defining yourselves against one another. I know that's a first century problem and it's hard to get our minds around that that stuff can actually happen today, but it can. (laughs) And and, and Paul's saying, this shouldn't be. Well, how do we work out our faith if our faith doesn't need to exist in a container and we don't need to divide up into a bunch of clubs where we define ourselves against one another, then how do we do this? Because the, the reality is, if you've got that container mindset with your faith and you give everything the same uh, value, one to the next, then if any one thing is threatened, your whole faith is threatened. And you end up attaching, you know, the sad thing is that, that, that for me as a young Christian, if I felt like if I agreed that maybe earth was older than 10,000 years, then, then it was going to undermine my whole thing. Like the whole Bible's a lie. Well, you know, that, that's really a peripheral issue. And I'm not taking a stance on here, this here this morning. I'm just saying, my faith isn't built on that. So what's a better way to look at this? Well, a better way to look at this is we're, we're going to look at kind of this analogy of concentric circles of belief. And, and, and the first circle has Jesus at the center. And that's our non-negotiable. If you come to this church, we talk a lot about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. I mean, we've been in the Gospel of John for almost a year now. And every weekend, we talk about Jesus. We want to saturate our lives in what Jesus is like. We want to learn to live like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to take on His nature. We believe He's the highest revelation of Scripture. He's the one that, the Word that transcends the story, the one that was present with God in the creating of the universe. He's the one who we look to. He's our Lord, our King. He's, he's the reason we gather. So we may have different things in this church where, that are negotiables, but that's not. <laughs> that, that's what makes us who we are. That's our foundation. But moving out from that, we find the next circle, which would be dogma. Now, I know dogma is not a, a, a good word in our culture, but you know, dogma originally meant, before it took on a negative connotation, was this. These are the sets of beliefs that have been agreed upon by almost all Christians going back to the earliest creeds. It's, it's just the, the, actually dogma arose in the first uh, three or four centuries of the church because they, they had all kinds of other competing belief systems uh, going around in the world at that time. There was Gnosticism, which has kind of grown up alongside Christianity, which Gnosticism basically says that, that the whole physical world is evil. The only things that matter are spiritual things, and, and so we need to... Uh, the only way out of this evil, corrupt, physical world is to get some secret, esoteric wisdom that will free our souls. And so Gnosticism was starting to infiltrate the church. And some people just said that, oh, Jesus, his whole thing, Jesus wasn't really a physical human being. He was just a spirit. And he was trying to give us this knowledge that would free us to, to leave this evil material world. And some of you probably have encountered Gnosticism in the church because it's, it's grown up alongside the church. But Gnosticism basically said that the God that created the universe was a lesser God, evil. And so Jesus is is the good guy who shows up to to free us. Well, this stuff was growing up alongside the church in the first three or four centuries. And so the the church leaders, they decided we got to come together and come up with some some minimal set of guidelines that can say, if if you 
ascribe to these beliefs, you're, you're what we would call a Christian in the church. If not, you're, you're outside of orthodoxy. And so they came up with uh, one of the oldest creeds would be the Apostles' Creed. Now, it wasn't actually written by the apostles, but it's based on their teachings. And it's, uh, there, there's, there's evidence that, that the Apostles' Creed went back further than uh, when it was actually written in the uh, third century, I believe. But today, I want us to stand up together, and we're going to say the Apostles' Creed. Now, before I get that, get to the Apostles' Creed. How many of y'all grew up saying this in church? Wow. It's just, it's a, I, I never grew up. This is my first time to say it in church, okay? So, uh, <laughs> uh, now, now, there is a line in here, and I want to say, it says about the Holy Catholic Church. We're not trying to make everybody Catholics today, but that word Catholic, it actually means universal, Okay. It meant universal long before it was attached to, uh, say, a denomination. Uh, So we're going to say the Apostles' Creed together because this is the dogma of the church. Here we go. We believe in God the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, And the everlasting life. Or the life everlasting. Amen. (laughs) I I can tell some of y'all have said this before. Yes. (laughs) A lot faster? Was I going too slow? Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) We believe in God the Father, make it to heaven. Okay, now, now how many of y'all actually ever paid attention to what you were saying when you were saying it? Okay, good, good, all right, good. Um, what we find in the Apostles' Creed are the, the basics of the Christian faith. We find things about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which would later, you know, around that time develop into the idea of the Trinity, even though it's not codified in this uh, text. We find about Jesus' birth, his, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection. We find about Jesus coming back again. We, we have mention of, of the church and the Holy Spirit. So these are kind of the, this is the meat and potatoes. This is the dogma. And, and to be a part of the church, uh, actually a lot of churches uh, through history, before you'd get baptized, you would say the Apostles' Creed. Because it's just saying, okay, you know what you're getting into? You believe in this? Yes, okay. And uh, so, so we've got Jesus in the center. And then outside of that, we have dogma. But once we move beyond that, we're, we're moving into areas where we need to hold on to things a little bit looser. We're, we're moving further away from Jesus, and so we don't hold on to these things quite as, as, as strongly. Now, doctrines, these are basically commentary on dogma and or issues which do make somewhat of a practical difference but are hardly essential to the faith. 
These aren't the things that, that de- define the church. These are the things that, that we argue about usually. <laughs> These are the things that set uh, the vineyard apart from, say, the Pentecostals or the Catholics. The things that set Methodists apart from... Uh, Seventh-day Adventists, but the, these, are, these are the things that, that theologians love to dialogue about. So, for instance, a, a good example of doctrine that, that is in our world today uh, that has been around for a few hundred years would be Calvinism versus Armenianism. Now, in Calvinism, Calvin, Calvinism before it was an ism, there was a person, John Calvin. And John Calvin... Uh, he, he was really big on the sovereignty of God. Now, most Christians believe in the sovereignty of God, but where he landed on that was basically he took some of Paul's uh, writings where Paul talks about predestinations, and, and he said he, he came up with this doctrine that God is basically in control of everything. There's nothing that happens in the universe that doesn't happen apart from God's control. So God's in it all, uh, and, and that God predestined some people to go to heaven and then predestined some people to go to hell. It's all, but it's all already set. Now there's another guy, uh, Arminius, who, who came along at the same time and, and he challenged Calvin on his beliefs. He believed in the sovereignty of God, but he landed in a different place. He said, God's not only sovereign, but he's also a God of love. And if God is a God of love, then he can't make everybody's choices for him. Love necessitates that, that there can be a choice. Otherwise, it's not really love, right? And so, so Arminius came down on the side of what became Arminianism. And so you've got these two, and, and, and these two branches of doctrines are still fighting all over the place in, the, in, the, in America these days. But these are doctrinal issues, okay? This isn't what makes you a part of the church. It's not what gets you in relationship with God. We don't build our life on, on Calvinism or Arminianism because it's, it's sinking sand, <laughs> We don't build our, our, our faith on those things. Those are our ways of processing our faith. But they're not nearly as important as the dogma and then Jesus. Um, another example would be uh, women in ministry. Now, now there, are, there are some scriptures that you can read in the New Testament that Paul wrote that, that tend to talk about. There's some that say women can't say anything in church. Who's in favor of that? I'm just testing to see if anybody's awake. Okay. Uh, (laughs) There's some passages that would say that. There's some some passages that where where Paul has it it, it says that a woman a woman can't can't exercise authority over a man. They can't speak in church, and so a lot of churches through the ages have not let women have any positions of authority uh, over men. They can have positions of authority over kids, but but not over men. And and some some denominations wouldn't allow women to ever speak in church. I mean, at least up front, they'd allow them to talk, and so. This issue, the vineyard really didn't have a take a stand on this issue until it started coming up. There was the vineyard has been around for a little over thirty years probably now, and uh, there was pe- women in various vineyard churches who started feeling the call to to teach and preach, and some even wanted to pastor churches. And so, back in two thousand five, Bert Wagner, the who was the uh, head of the vineyard movement, he, which they just transitioned to a new director this last week, Phil Strout. But Bert Wagner, who came and spoke to our church uh, a while back, uh, he, he began wrestling with this issue. Now, Bert Wagner grew up Pentecostal and then Assemblies of God, two denominations that don't allow 
women as as pastors or uh, women to speak. And uh, so that was that was where he'd spent most of his life, and he'd never really had to wrestle with the issue. Well, he starts wrestling with it, and, and Bird is way into theology. He's probably going to write theology books at some point, but he's got all kinds of theologian friends, and they dive into it. And he spent months and months digging into this and, and, and wrestling with this issue. And finally, uh, in probably 2006, the Vineyard released, uh, he released a paper, a position paper on the, the doctrinal stance of the Vineyard. He says, we believe it's okay for women to be in ministry uh, and, and to, to even pastor a church if they want and speak. We, we're, we're okay with that. We want to affirm that. And, uh, and part of that was based on the fact that you can see in the scriptures there are women who traveled around and, and, and taught and, and likely pastored churches in the New Testament. I'm not going to dig into all those issues. But the point is, and, and there, there's some vineyard churches that don't agree with that. We do. Uh, we got a woman speaker up here next week. So, but the point is, that's a doctrinal issue. These are things that you wrestle through. Have, have any of you changed your doctrine in your life at all? I have. I don't believe the same things about God that I believed about God, say, 15 years ago. I mean, as far as doctrinally. Now, I haven't, I've, I've always believed in Jesus. But I went through a period in my faith where I threw everything up in the air. I'm like, man, I'm questioned. Why do we need pastors, church building, communion, worship services? Why do we need any of this? What, what is the point of any of it? So I, I questioned everything. And I've arrived at some different conclusions than I had 15 years ago. My doctrine has changed. Uh, my foundation of Jesus Christ? No. <laughs> I've always been on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If I start questioning that, leave. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> I think I got a, an amen from the Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important because the problem with this is a lot of people take this circle of doctrine and they move it inside. This goes on all the time. They, they take this peripheral issue of doctrine, which is how we reflect on our faith. And we should always be wrestling with our doctrine. We should never stop wrestling with doctrine. We should always uh, look at it afresh in the light of God and our culture and what we're trying to do living out the mission. But a lot of people take doctrine and they start moving it into dogma. Or worse, they move it into the center. And you know what happens then? You have an idolatry of your belief system. You start worshiping your beliefs about God instead of worshiping God. And there's people in seminaries, people in ministry who do just that. And their ministries don't look like Jesus anymore. They look like uh, heady knowledge or legalism, but they don't look like Christ. They cease to do that. So we've got doctrine on the third circle. And then from doctrine, we move to opinions. Now, opinions are extremely peripheral. They're on the edges. Now, now like I said earlier, um, I think even the Genesis 1 debate between new earth creationists and old earth creationists, that's, that's a matter of opinions there. I mean, we're never going to be fully satisfied on that one until we meet Jesus, okay? But that's not a foundational element to the faith. It's not even up there with doctrine, you know, it's not something that we need to come up with a position on. The important part of that is that they're creationists, okay? That's dogma. We believe God created everything. But how he did that, whether it was in a literal seven days or whether the language was more figuratively, and I've heard good, good uh, reasoning for, on both sides of those things. But I think 
Either way, that's opinion. We don't need to spend a lot of time fighting with other Christians about these things. We can have opinions, but let's recognize them as opinions and not as, you know, the core stuff. Another thing would be politics. I've heard Christians who say that, that who are absolutely convinced that Jesus is, is pro-capitalism, free market economics, and, and pro-democracy. And they base it on, you know, some of his parables that he talked about, you know, people selling stuff or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's another issue. Uh, then on the other side, you've got some Christians who say, no, God is, is, is pro-socialism and, and communism. Look at the early church. They sold everything. They had all things in common. Well, that's, we're moving into the realm of opinions because the Bible doesn't really make... Those are, those are peripheral points that you see in the Bible. That's not the... Jesus' points, he never made a point about government except that, you know, he's king. <laughs> that's kind of his only political statement. He didn't really make uh, the church in Acts. We, we see this, this, this lovely thing that happened in Acts, but we don't see it happen anywhere else. So you can come up with well-informed opinions, but just realize they're opinions. They're people who want to come up with opinions based you know, on, on how we should eat. And, and some people want to say that Jesus was a, a vegetarian and whatever, you know, even though I think he ate fish once or twice. Um, one of those kind of vegetarians. And, um, <laughs> but these are opinions. Even something like the, the, the idea of the rapture. I, I've, I was around certain circles back in the 90s where it's like if you didn't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, that's okay. But for those of you that do, if you didn't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, then, then you're, you're not in the camp. That's, that's grounds for separating you from fellowship. Well, that's really more opinion than doctrine or dogma. It's certainly not at the center. So my hope is that, that as we can kind of delineate between what are the core things of our faith, we can find that, uh, that, that we're united with other Christians deeper than we realize. But my hope is that we could even be a, a much more diverse group of people here at North Shore Vineyard. That, hey, you know, that I, there was, there's actually a vineyard up in... Uh, Columbus, Ohio. I thought this was interesting. It's a big vineyard. They got about 10,000 people up there. But uh, the last election, they had, you know, Ohio was a swing state. And they had the, the, the president of the, the Democratic Party in their area, Columbus, and the president of the Republican Party <laughs> in Columbus at their church. And I think that's great. It's great that, that we can identify what is a political idea? What's a dietary idea? What's an end times view versus what are the core things that unite us? I've got many friends in my life who have very different doctrine than I. You know, one of my friends uh, that came over the other night. Uh, we, we did a, a, a study on, on how to read the Bible back in January, and I published a series of blogs going alongside things, you know, talking about digging through women in ministry and stuff. And, and he answered on my blogs, and we went back and forth because he disagreed with me. But you know what? We're still great friends. At the end of the day, we're like, hey, this is where I've landed on it. This is where he's landed on it. But we're friends. We're, our, our unity isn't based on our doctrine. Maybe someday I might find out that my doctrine is really wrong and I'll have to reevaluate it again. I doubt that because I think I'm pretty right on everything. <laughs> and I'm not conceited. It's hard to be humble. 
But the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ at the center. And, and, and when we walk in that light, we can be a people who are walking in humidity, humility, humidity too. Uh, <laughs> it's the way we roll down here in southeast Louisiana. Humidity, humility, love, and, and, and that we can, can take on his nature. And that when we get opposed by people who agree, we can, we can react to them in grace. And hopefully, we can be less arrogant in our beliefs. We can give space for others. I'm going to invite the worship team up here today because uh, I think that probably the most fitting way that we could end today would be by taking communion together. Just, just focusing back in on, you know, it, it's the blood and body of Jesus that unites us. It, it's, it's, it's the thing that, that, that is our foundation. And so as the band begins to play, I just want you to come on up. Uh, maybe we could do this uh, section at a time. Maybe this section, that section, and that section. And... Uh, that's all the direction I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you how to do it row by row. Um, but, but come grab a, a cup and a, and a piece of bread and bring it back to your seat. And we're all going to take communion together. You're going to have to be surprised when you get up here. Don't be taking two glasses. Come, make your way up.